This is a, a great way of presenting something in a logical fashion. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And today again, we're looking at the blood of Jesus, enjoying the power of Jesus' blood. Now, that is something that every professing Christian should know and enjoy. That is where pardon is enjoyed, where peace in our soul is enjoyed, and it is our power in prayer. We have been looking at the book of Hebrews over these last few days, and we've been learning that Jesus is our great high priest. The work of a high priest is to intercede for his people. And in the Old Testament, the high priest went right in through the veil, took the blood of the sacrifice, and made atonement by sprinkling the blood upon the mercy seat to intercede and pray for the people. Our Lord Jesus is our high priest. And we learn here in Hebrews 9, 11, but Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death and for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. This is the language of atonement, of blood offering, of sacrifice, but by taking that blood and interceding at the very throne of God. I trust that this message today will be a, a heart-stirring message to your own soul to give you faith in the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus at the right hand of God. Stay tuned now as we turn to Hebrews 9. Move on now to number two. You enjoy the value of Jesus' blood when you accept the purity of his life. Now, did you notice in the text that it said that he offered himself without spot, without spot? Now, there's his deity. That's absolutely important. 
But that deity must also be filled with purity, without spot. In the Old Testament manner of worship, the animal sacrifice was inspected. The Levite priest would inspect the sacrifice. It was to be a meal uh, of the flock without blemish. No disease, no wounds, no infection in the animal, no oozing sores. All of those were rejected. They could not be offered. And of course, it was teaching and training God's people that God would demand a perfect sacrifice. And so when Christ our Savior became our Redeemer to die for us, he must be sinless. Otherwise, we have huge question mark over the value of his blood. Now, there have been many who have tried to pin sin on Jesus, who have tried to somehow bring upon him disrepute that he was in the company of Mary Magdalene, that he was guilty of this and that and the other thing. But when you search the Scriptures and when you learn the testimony of Jesus, we know that he was without fault. When he was interrogated by Herod and Pilate, that was their response. I find no fault in him. And boy, they wanted to. They wanted to. They wanted to end this difficult case of Jesus by finding something whereby they could pin sin on him and nail him to the cross. And others tried it too. The Pharisees, the lawyers, they endeavored to trip him up. And Jesus himself even challenged them. He said, which of you convinceth me of sin? Would you like to throw out that challenge? Is there any other person ever born of Adam who could throw out that challenge? Only Jesus, the Son of God, could stand to that kind of a test. Now, it's because of his sinless nature, it's because of his perfect obedience, that he is spotless. And he could there on the cross offer himself not just the physical body, blood, sinews, and flesh, but he could offer his whole life, his whole testimony, his whole character, his whole dignity, because he was the sinless son. And the Bible is very, very careful of this matter. There must be also the witness of the Spirit to our own hearts. You see, though we be sinful, and though we confess that we are sinful, we know we need a sinless Savior. We know it. We could have no enjoyment of the blood. We could have no enjoyment of atonement or the cross work or the gospel itself if we were not completely convinced of the spotless, sinless nature of our Lord Jesus. And it's by that testimony and by that truth burned into our hearts that we come to the conclusion, yes, I can trust in Jesus' blood. I know that he was an offering without blemish. I know that there's no spot in him, and therefore his blood has the power to cleanse me and to wash me from sin. I move on. Number three, you enjoy the value of Jesus' blood when you rest in the presentation of his sacrifice to the Father. Now, that's a big statement, isn't it? I want to repeat it. 
I want you to get this clearly. Because if you get the heading, you get the whole message. You enjoy the value of Jesus' blood when you rest in the presentation of his sacrifice unto the Father. Now, I bring you back to the text. I want to point out where it says that the eternal Spirit, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot. Christ made himself an offering. This is his priestly work. He was the priest, but he was also the sacrifice. And he offered himself, and he presented himself unto the Father. And of course, on the cross, we're familiar with the sayings, the statements of Christ on the cross, where he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Or, as he prayed, it is finished. Those many statements that Jesus offered on the cross, they were his priestly ministry, offering himself as the sacrifice, the perfect lamb with perfect sinless nature. I'm offering myself to thee, Father. And in the presentation of Jesus to his own Father, he made payment He satisfied every demand, and he settled the account by his own blood. And that's the view you need. That's the confidence you need, that Jesus presented himself to the Father, and it was marvelously accepted. I read of an English soldier who was converted in the trenches, and it was during the horrors of war that the gospel came to his heart and he was converted. He wrote home to his mother, and he said, along with many other things, he said this, it took the war to bring me to salvation. His mother was very perturbed about that statement, thinking that it was saying too much. And she showed it to their minister, and he looked at it, thought about it, and he said to the mother, you know, it not only took a war, it took Calvary where Christ died for sin. He fought the war that was going on to destroy sinners. And at Calvary, Christ defeated death and every wicked claim of sin by his own death. And that is over. God has accepted the sacrifice. Jesus has offered himself presented himself, and the battle is won. I wonder, is the battle over in your heart? You may be wondering, should I be a Christian? Should I give my life to Christ? Should I enter into this gospel peace? You're wondering, can I be saved? And there's a struggle going on in your heart. It's a battle. And until you rest and say, Christ has offered his all, for my salvation, I rest in that. Then the peace, the the enjoyment of the gospel comes into your heart. And so today, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, yield your life. Give your heart totally, altogether to Christ. One more thing I want us to look at here today, the enjoyment and the value of Jesus' blood. It comes when you serve God 
in the peace that is purchased by the blood. Now we move to the end of the verse where it says, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now I want you to see that in your Bible. Hebrews 9, 14, right at the end of the verse. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If you've got a, tr- a, a troubled conscience, and if you are offering dead works, there's no enjoyment in that. That's all defeatism. You're defeated. You have no victory in that. But when your faith is in the blood of Jesus, your conscience is purged, and then you turn to serve the living God. What a difference it makes. What a joy it brings. And the enjoyment of the blood of Jesus is the peace that is purchased there at the cross. You'll see in verse 15 the word redemption. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. So here is peace. Here is the purchase of the believer to the knowledge of grace in Christ Jesus. Sinners are like slaves. They serve in dead works. When you're a slave, you have no standing, there's no reward, there's no appreciation. You're just a a worthless slave. And people out of Christ without a Savior, whatever religious, whatever uh, things they do, they're just dead works. They mean nothing. They, They are worthless. But when you are a Christian, when you are in Christ and you worship God through the blood and you have this peace of the cross in your life, then you do worship the living God, and you worship Him with joy, with gladness. And the great difference here is that God blesses our worship. Someone described it like this, the difference between the gospel and false religion. In false religion, you have religious people, devotees of that religion, and they offer their blood to their gods. You know, there are many pagan religions where that has been done. In the Bible, you'll read of that. Modern religions, it's still happening today. We're even thinking of those in the Philippines offering their body as imitating the death of Jesus and the blood pouring out and so on. Heathen, darkened souls without the gospel, they offer their blood to their gods. But in the gospel, our God offers the blood of his own Son to save us. That's the difference, and that's the wonder of it. And we come to sing here, see from his head, his hands and feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. It has been well said, God himself meets his own requirements in the death of Christ. You get a handle on that little statement, you will enjoy the sacrifice of Calvary. God himself meets his own requirements in the death of Christ. And in that, there is no more curse for you or me. There is no wrath to turn away. God has turned to us in justice. And he says to us, it is well. I have found a way to save my people. I insisted that all payment fall upon my son. Therefore, I spared him not 
with the sword of justice. I am angry against sinners no more. All who hide in Jesus' death will find my love. And so it is fitting that we look at these truths on the value of the blood. And when we take that cup and bread, and because we're speaking of the blood, we'll emphasize the cup. But when you take that cup in your hand, it represents a miracle. It represents the supernatural. It represents a work that has been accomplished by our Lord Jesus and has been accepted by God the Father. And that blood presented to God has turned the anger of God to peace, to acceptance, to receiving sinners in mercy. And that's me. That's me. And it's you too, by faith in that redeeming blood of the Lord Jesus. And so we can sing the hymn, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's a world of theology behind it. It is the world of Calvary behind it. It is the love of God behind it. It's the justice of God behind it. It is the delight of God. This is now the good news of the gospel that we're saved, washed, cleansed, fitted for heaven by that blood, the blood of Jesus. I want you to enjoy that. I have deliberately crafted each point with the theme of enjoyment. Enjoyment. I wanted to make this message something for you to enjoy. Some people think that gospel preaching is just hitting people over the head, telling them how bad they are. Well, really, no. It's to tell people that no matter how bad you are, we have got good news that Jesus saves the vilest of sinners because his blood has all the power. And that is the good news. And we are to call people to enjoy it. Enter into it. Don't live in defeat. Don't live with guilt. Don't live with a sense of shame. Come to the cross. Take the blood atonement as your grounds of your peace with God. And that's your blessedness. That's your blessedness. So I just close by quoting the text. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much more? That's the wonder of it all. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death. From opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands, or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide, never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the Word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, the real question is, 
What is wrong with the human heart? This hit home to me recently after a late-night hospital visit to a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart, I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically-assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence, nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul, and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible, with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life is ended. The attitude will be, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable, and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life-giver, and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your Creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further, the redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job 121, and Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. 
the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction of all who love the God of the Bible and follow the Lord's word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors, and that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over 60 million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises of making Germany great again. Being there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize, we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.